Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the ProHo Podcast. I'm switching it up this week with a throwback episode all the way back from September 29th, 2019. We have a lot of new listeners, and I wanted to highlight one of my favorite all-time conversations with Peyton Dix, who now ferociously slays all things social and special projects at InStyle Magazine. Snap, snaps. <laughs> so we spoke about the intersectionality of being Black and queer, online dating, and navigating conversations on sexuality while coming of age under the roof of black parents. And if you are black, (laughs) you certainly know that this is no easy feat, so you will definitely relate to our conversation. We also answer anonymous questions about consent and how to tell your close friends that you're in a polyamorous relationship. So without further ado, please enjoy this brilliant episode of ProHo featuring the ever-talented Peyton Dix. Enjoy! Welcome to ProHo, a movement that focuses on candid dialogue to bring to light shared experiences of black and brown bodies to highlight all of the societal bullshit conditioning that has stunted our sexual identities and wellness. I'm your host, Penda Jai, and on today's episode, we are joined by Peyton Dix, and we are talking all about dating online as a queer person of color and how that relates to real life. So welcome, Peyton. Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Yes, and talk about sex, my like top three favorite subjects. I know. (laughs) I mean, my mother wishes it wasn't, but I was just like, yes, let's get into it. Like, (laughs) tough. (laughs) I know, I love it. I actually got started talking about sex because my mom. It's like a whole thing of how she gave me a vibrator for Christmas and then Wait, sparked really? this whole conversation. That's literally how Proho originated. That's genius. My mom gave me a taser for my most recent birthday and my Shut student up. loans, and I'm not kidding. Oh, my yes. God. I she mean, I have definitely gotten, point. what's it called? Mace from oh, my mom. Yeah. But a taser, that's... Yeah, like, and which I think you like can't legally bye to be honest. like i don't know she's such, i don't she's a very interesting woman you know we'll get to her later yes but, i want to hear it i want to yeah. hear all about the moms my my friend said that i need a total episode dedicated to just moms because oh yeah we love them but they also have fucked us up so much oh deeply yes the girls <laughs> the girls the girls so we're gonna have to i definitely want to hear about your mom but i'm gonna dedicate a special episode to moms and the thin, thin line between love and hate. Yes. So we'll, <laughs> we'll cross that bridge. <laughs> exactly. So you identify as a queer person of color. Yes. Yes. Have you always, have you innately felt that your entire life? Absolutely. I think like, you know, I don't really, the term coming out feels so loose to me, especially because my quote coming out experience never ends. Um, And I think that like, at least for me and how I pass and walk through the world, like I constantly have to reestablish myself as a queer person in both straight spaces and queer spaces. Um, So I feel like when I came out, it was like, maybe like I wrote an article online and um, kind of just shared it like, woohoo. And so it never really, I think it's also was easier for me because I grew up in really liberal spaces. And so I grew up in LA too. And like my dad lives in West Hollywood. So when I told him, he was just like, I was in college, and he was like, where do you, uh, you need anything? And I was like, mm, no, I don't, thank you. And he's like, cool, okay. And, like, that was it. Like, and, you know, I feel like maybe I definitely started to know closer to, like, teenage, like early teens, like maybe 12 or 13, but um, didn't really fully come out until, like, maybe mid-college 
So yeah, ever since been <laughs> fucking women. <laughs> <laughs> I love that your dad was just like, and yeah, like, he's like, and what? Like, I gotta go. Like, what do you need? Like, I'm busy. Like, I um, love that. And I love the fact that you mentioned having to deal with straight and being queer and I think a lot of people of color deal with this like intersectionality of like having two identities of like being queer like having to fit into that space but then also Mm. being like black and queer those are like two separate spaces as well and so how do you have you had to deal with like white queer people and and their acceptance of you being black and queer yeah I think um I mean the space that I came out in which was college was a very white very liberal space um I was dating at the time an Asian girl but like it was like slim pickings even if I wanted to like only pursue queer women of color um thankfully like I had a circle of friends that were queer and of color but um that was a minority like that was like few and far between in that entire campus and so dominantly, the mo- women I hooked up with were white. And it's a very different, you know, I think this comes into play with a lot of things. But I think queer people of color operate very differently. Um, like the way a gay man, a white gay man walks through the world versus the way I walk through the world is different. Um, but even, you know, we can get into this for forever of like cis privilege and like all these things that I know that I have. And straight passing privilege like even when I very I didn't cut my hair because it came out (laughs) I promise I was just like so bored and love to be radical um but when I cut my hair I, I did think that maybe I would pass more in like a queer space but ain't nothing changed like it's just, I feel like people had still registered me as straight because of my previous relationships because of maybe my body type and so, you know, all those things obviously come from ignorant spaces, but I think like navigating, especially in New York, I feel like New York is tough because all the mostly queer places are dominantly white. And, you know, we will probably get to this, but online too, it's just the same thing. And like, I feel like I have to swipe and swipe and be like, brown person. Like, oh my God. I go, I know exactly what you mean. But I'm that person on online dating. Like, I make my preferences. I'm like, brown, black only, like Hispanic, Indian, like brown, 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 brown. And then I'm like, why doesn't anyone swipe right on me? I'm like, oh, because you literally made your chances of meeting someone this small. Small. So, (laughs) no. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm dating a white woman right now. And like, my just my standard of dating white people is like I have to be able to clown white people and you just have to rock with it and clown them back if you're not vibing with me tearing white people to shreds then you you can't be the one this isn't gonna work you won't like I it was so cute while I lost it but thank you like it I feel like you know thankfully you know I love my partner and I think she is very you know tapped into what how white people are especially white queer people But, you know, sometimes even that is something that, like, you know, I think a lot of, like, black lesbians, when they're dating each other, like, I don't want to sometimes feel, like, insecure of, like, oh, like, I'm not dating a white girl because I don't like black girls. Like, that's not it. Like, I just love this person. Like, and she happens to be white. And so that's an insecurity I feel, too, sometimes, which is, you know, disappointing. But, you know. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think even in 
straight relationships mm-hmm. if I were to be dating a white man. I think most of my black male friends or I would feel that kind of attention from other black men saying, why mm-hmm. are you dating a white man? Oh, you don't, you're, you're not down for the culture. You're not with us. Or I think people we put on, <laughs> totally. yeah, we definitely place those thoughts on when we see interracial relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, did you meet your partner online? Um, I met her, I would say like the fruition of us came online, but I, this is about to be so white of me to say, but I was doing a panel at the wing. <laughs> <laughs> And she was in the audience, and that's when we technically met. Um, So that is, now everyone's like, bitch, you sold out. Um, But but then we, you know, followed each other on Instagram, and actually at the time, she had a partner, and so, like, it wasn't really, you know, I was respectful. Yes. Um, And they broke up. (laughs) So (laughs) then we kind of started talking online um, until she finally asked me out on a date, and then we went. I love and that. It yeah. Before you met her, were you active on online dating? And that was a big part of your social, you know, online presence. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I felt like I was using Tinder as much as I was using actually Instagram DMs. Like, I felt like a lot of people, you know, that like I had a lot of incidents where someone would DM me and we would start talking and then we would meet up. And that felt... I think I leaned into that because it felt like more quote organic and like I did that shitty thing where I like shamed myself for being on Tinder even though everyone is on Tinder. Everyone. Everyone's on Tinder and we're all like you're on Tinder. Like you're on Tinder. You're like, on, yeah, you, you I saw you. Tinder. Yeah, I saw you. <laughs> I, I swiped left. <laughs> I met one of my boyfriends on Tinder and then mm-hmm. after we broke up we're still really cordial but I'm not on Tinder anymore but when I was he called me and he said, "Hey, I just saw you on Tinder." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Cool." He's like, "It's not a good look for you." And I was like, oh. "Uh, why?" He's like, "Nah, it just it, you're not that desperate. Like Girls who are on Tinder, it's different than guys being on Tinder. And I was like, oh my God, such a double standard. Like, I'm out out here trying to find people, trying to find love, trying to find sex, whatever it is. But (laughs) why is it, what's the double standard that women look like desperate or trashy if you have to resort to being on Tinder? Exactly. Also, like, let me remind you, sir. Like, (laughs) you saw me because you were on it. It's crazy. But um, yeah, I don't think. I agree with you in saying like feeling like Instagram DMs feel like a more organic right. sense of like meeting people, but essentially it is just it's a it's the same exact thing, same thing. App. I mean, yeah. you can kind of see a little bit more into people's personal life, like their friends and their following, so you do right. have like a little bit more insight. But essentially, it's the same thing. Yeah, meeting a stranger. But so you said that uh, white people, like the dating apps for queer people, are predominantly geared towards white people, and I think essentially white gay men. Mm-hmm. So did you find yourself searching for a site that you felt like appealed more to yourself, your identity? Yeah, I feel like there wasn't, and there is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously, like, well, I'm not on any dating apps right now. That's not an obvious statement. But um, I feel like there was, like, her. And I came to that thinking it would be, like, a, like, femme-centric grinder. It wasn't. Um, and so 
Like, I was like, great. Like, I can, like, I'm just trying to fuck too. Like, a lot of us, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, especially women, like, we're all trying to fuck all the time. Like, I was just like, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it is not just like, I mean, we're like nicer about it and sweeter and softer about it. Yeah, but <laughs> we're not really trying to like romanticize all the time or like, oh, we have to like date yeah. and be in love. Like, nah, we like, also I don't get want that stereotype. Sex. I'm like, listen, like, I am hitting you up at 2 a.m. Like, you know what's good. <laughs> like, it's very, the, I think the projection that women are, only emotional, not horny is like, I mean, it's so violently dated and we've obviously like talked about this at length and still it's like a thing for some reason to think that like, that's only men, men are only allowed to do that. Um, but bitches are thirsty, <laughs> you know, like we're out here. Um, but yeah, I just didn't like having, one, I just don't like having too many apps on my phone, period. So I felt like Tinder felt like the most digestible app for me. Um, and it felt like the one I just had it the longest. So I felt like at that point I was almost too lazy to yeah. branch out. You were like, like yeah, I'm and you're tired. comfortable in like the user ability and like, you right. know what it, you're like, well, right, left, you know. <laughs> Simple. I oh, got it. Simple. Like hinge is like, yeah, some of them are more complicated, but I understand because they're yeah. like, okay, well, it seems like our feedback is like people want, are looking for more depth in their partners. So yeah. I, I mean, at least on hinge or other apps, they seem like they're trying to. Yeah. You know, be less hookup culture. Yeah. It's also interesting that I, I I feel like there's also more apps in development now that are not only trying to, I think a lot of people have kind of realized the problem of dating apps, the one, the racism, like just like, I mean, especially with Grindr, especially with Tinder, I think those have seen the most like attention for those things, but also trying to like make the experience in general more organic a friend of mine is working on this new app called perchance and it's um basically geared to bringing back like the irl dating experience and so it is curated by like a group of people my friend just went on it for the first time and this was the first like gay men event that they did and like yes it was you had to pay for a ticket so just in that nature in general it's dominantly white because who, just who's, who's, who's one? No one's paying. paying. Yeah, <laughs> no one. And it geared towards people that where you can frivolously pay, which is obviously like you know, if we're talking about like socioeconomic class, obviously geared more toward white people, white men, white gay men. Um, but removing, like, taking a step back from that, he told me he had this like fantastic time because it basically was like an IRL app. So you like sign up online, like. This is what you want from it. You have to like leave your phone at the door. I love that. And like that. It, you can't have a you can't talk about work. Like you you have a name tag, but the name tag isn't your name. It's like you pick a name tag up and it all has like a word on it. It's very cryptic and like does sound a little chaotic, but I was like that sounds so like I immediately was interested in like that concept. And then I was like, but for like queer brown people. Like that, where is yes, that? Where you is know? Cuz I feel like when people first start making dating apps similar to this one, it was only for straight people. And then now it's slowly getting into the queer conversation. But and then like the afterthought is like brown queer yes, people. Yes. Yeah. Or it might be like the third phase once it's like, <laughs> oh, you can get a, like a free membership without all the benefits Literally. or without this. But like right now it's going to obviously, when you have paid events, like you said, it's going to target a certain demographic. Totally. But maybe you have to be the one to create this 
queer maybe brown me. world. It, yeah. Maybe it's you. I could use a check. Who knows? I can <laughs> invent something. We'll see. Exactly. But. Well, I was talking to another guest about porn and how, mm. like, we love porn, but how searching for porn, it's this unrealistic representation of black women, black women bodies. Totally. Or, like, if you're searching for, like, that perfect um, video with, like, a man with, like, a huge dick or, like, whatever you're yeah. looking for, it never is with black woman personified in this warm, sensual way. And so I wonder if um, you've experienced that at least or translated into real life. Like, do you feel what stereotypes have you seen um, exposed on dating websites? Yeah. um, What's funny is (laughs) the first thought I went to was um, when I was having sex with this dude once who was like, I think he's like half white or Asian doesn't like he just wasn't black. But it was his first time with a black girl, and I was like, your dick is big, so I'm going to ignore that, and let's just, like, wrap it up. But, like, <laughs> I think he just thought I was going to, like, pop that pussy all over him, and I kind of was like, oh, I'm, I'm a lazy bitch. Like, <laughs> like I was I'm like, just going to lay here. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm just going to turn around. Like, I'm not going to Especially if he has a big dick, you're like, and, and so you're going to do yeah, the work. exactly. Like, this, these are my reparations, sir, like, not yours. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, like, where did you, like, he kept, like, trying to, like, and I, I have a dance background. So I, like, yeah, we can get into that, but it was just, like, the expectation, like, I felt in our body language that he was just, like, totally trying to project this, like, Amazonian woman. Yes, like, like, like aggressive. Exactly. We want it hard or fast. And I was like, I'm the laziest girl you've ever met is my secret. I love that. Plot twist. I love that you're like, yeah. this is me. I'm No, lazy. I will admit it. I will I will come out um, and say it for the for the girls in yes. the, listening to this who don't want to pretend. Uh, I don't know. I just think like that was something that was... And then I looked back on that and like went to our messages because I was like, okay, never again. And then like he... I don't know why this bothered me, but like... He was the type to use like the like white emoji instead of a yellow emoji, and I was like, and that's oh, something. Like, this is why it will never right? work out. And that's when I knew <laughs> something no, was up. No, that bothers me even with my brown black friends when they use emoji. It's still a brown emoji, but when it's like one shade lighter, I'm like, you know, that's not your skin tone. <laughs> Embrace the darkness. Like we're gonna have to switch up because you gotta drag that finger one more one over. <laughs> Slide it right over one more. Yeah. I really get offended, so I understand how that triggered you. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know, like, that kind of projection. I mean, I feel like a lot of that, actually, I remember the the messages I received on Tinder, and this isn't actually limited to men, um, but from usually, like, white people, reflected so much of my childhood that I didn't realize was so problematic and also deeply ingrained in me in this way like I grew up in a very um privileged space I went to private schools like most of my friends were white because of that like thankfully I lived in Baldwin Hills so I was like well black people yes but like you know and like had obviously like outside friends from like things like Jack and Jill and things like that that I did but my schools are always white my friend groups were dominantly white um and for many of my friends that I hooked up with um, it was always like, you know, you're the first black girl I've ever fucked up with. And like, you know, you're the only, like hearing, like, I remember being 13 once and hearing this boy tell me like, he kissed me and was like, um, 
you know, I would never go for a black girl, but like you're special. Uh, and that's... like, what's most mostly fucked up? Not even that he said that, but I was like, <gasps> yeah, oh God, I feel so special, right? Right? And I was like, ah! like Peyton, if you're listening to this, like run, <laughs> like run and hit him. Yes. And it was just like unlearning that took a, like too long, and then feeling entering that space again was just like, wow, this shit does not change, and like this is not a compliment, and. Like, I'm not special for, like, you being interested in my sexuality. And, like, it's just, it's all, like, that is, like, something I feel like I've seen, like, way too much of, of, like, I'm not really into black girls, but, like, but you seem, like, consumable, yeah. maybe because yeah. of the way I talk or the way I look or the way I dress or what my, you know, my Instagram was linked to it. And so, like, maybe my job, which is in my bio, like, whatever it is that equates to some kind of like accessible whiteness for you that makes you think that I'm the kind of black girl you can like get down with is like so violent absolutely terrible it's like you're you're when someone describes you and they're like oh you know Peyton she's black but you know she's she's not like black black but (laughs) I love black black I love an italicized black 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 black, but you know she's yeah she's black like that's totally and I understand I grew up in Denver Colorado I was a debutante through Jack and Jill so (laughs) I know yes so I I understand having like okay at school there were not very many black people but then you come to Jack and Jill and you're like okay so we all here together. Let's rally. We're like, all here to complain about the white people from our schools. Like, yes. And community service. Yeah. Exactly. But. Exactly. Dope. Yeah. Well, I hope that, you know, more more space has become inclusive online because it's hard. It's hard to date, period, period. in New York City anywhere. So I'm like, yeah. okay, how can we make this a better situation in yeah. general? Yeah. But uh, I want to talk on a different, whole different note about sexuality and presenting yourself online specifically sexually or however you identify and how that relates to your job or you know it's interesting because obviously not everyone you know puts up nude photos on their social media or does any type of like sex work but I was just reading about like sex work and a lot of sex workers happen to be students or have full-time jobs Mm -hmm. in other professional spaces and like how they balance being like a stripper at night but then a lawyer during the day and how a lot of times they don't want their employers to find out about this other life because people don't want to employ sex workers. Or So I want to know what's your experience about um, being conservative or being open sexually online and how that relates to your your job or your work. Yeah, I think I'm in a place where, you know, I understand completely that even my handle alone is like, and I'm, I'm employed, have been employed, my handle's been the same, is is a privilege because I have like, this liberal space that I work in, I work in social media and like a lot of my, I will say my handle, not my handle. I will say my Instagram got me my job. Um, Like I was working at this startup at the time and uh, my boss had like requested and he was like the CEO. So he like requested to follow me on Instagram. My immediate thought was like, fuck. Like, I don't want to do this. And I, like, deleted a couple things. things, (laughs) Literally. And so I was like, great, I'll just, like, you know, block him from seeing my stories or something at the very least. Um, So I let him follow me, and I forgot to block him from my stories over the weekend. And, you know, I I go out. I act up. I (laughs) I act up, City Girls, thank you. But, like, I was just, like, messy or something. I don't know. I was just, like, it was fun. I was running around town and filming it and talking about it. Who knows? Um... But then I get an email, it was like Sunday night from my boss being like, let's come in, like when you come in tomorrow, like let's talk about social media. And so this is like my 
first, like, it wasn't even a full-time job for me at that point. It was, like, a part-time fellowshipy thing. So my instinct was, like, I'm getting fired. fired. Yeah, I'm absolutely getting fired. He was, like, don't represent this company. Like, like, that's what I thought the conversation was. So I was fully going into that office being, like, and say your goodbyes. <laughs> yes. You had fun. Too much fun. But Too like, much fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and I sat down with him, and he was, like, you're so funny. Like, you're so vibrant. Like, would you want to help out with social media? Like, I would. I think your social media presence is great. And so I was like, oh, I thought I was getting fired. <laughs> and he was like, eh, no, you're fine. Like, it's cool. Like, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. Imagine if you would have blocked him. I know. You would have never known never how funny known. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so then I started working on our social media team. And then from there, like, now I'm, you know, at paper. And it's been, it's been a wild ride. But that space, I felt like, I think things in general are also changing. I think working in media, you're allowed to be a little bit more, you know, human and like, I guess like, or what's the word? I guess you're allowed to be more open online. Open, yeah. Whatever and and means, like but... more authentic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the word, yeah. Um, so I felt like I, I knew that in that space, I have like freedom to be a little bit more risque. I think something that, you know, shifted was like, the tone that I use at paper, I also use on my own social media channels. And that's what helped change our social media so much because it wasn't like our engagement wasn't great. Our followers weren't really going up. Like the minute I think someone realized or our followers realized that you were behind the account. Yeah, not me, but like, but like a person and like a young person yes, and like a probably yes. black queer person because like, yes, I will tweet about Tessa Thompson topping me whenever I feel like yes. it. Like, which she retweeted some of your She did. I don't, I don't know. Oh, oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Thrupple. We'll see. Um, no, but, um, Wait. Oh, yes. Okay. With your partner. Like, Wait, who's she dating? Wait. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, you're about to spill. Yes. I wish I knew the tweet. I was like, I know uh, the rumor is Janelle Monet, but I don't know if oh, I'm no, really that one. It didn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. a moment of silence. A moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for me, like, I also pretty much. Like, when I go out, like, I dress a certain way. And, like, like the other day I went to a party and I was in, like, this bling freaky bra where my nipples were totally showing through. But it looked so hot. So I was like, okay, I got to post this on the gram. I can't just live on this story. And my boss was like, yes, bitch. Like, that. So I have, like, thankfully a space where I, where this, like, works for me. I can, like, put my body out when I feel like it and when I want to. I can say certain sexual things and feel, like, totally safe in that. I don't think a lot of people, unfortunately, especially brown queer women, especially in more conservative areas, have no, like that. You would be f- like, what? Fucked we if can't you... even wear our hair the fucking way that we exactly. want to wear our hair. Like so. that's a, that's a bare minimum. Like we're yes. working on that. Like <laughs> let me wait to get to that. my nipples out. Like exactly. come on. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. And my mom, you know, <laughs> smooth transition. There. No, nice. um, doesn't follow me on Instagram. That was an instant block, of course. Actually, I think she. Like, blocked me she before blocked I could you. block her. Yeah. Like, she went to follow and she was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. Which is nice that she at least it knows, is. like, this just isn't for me. Like, I'm not going to monitor what you do online, but, like, this is not what I ever need to see on my feed. Um, was your mom as accepting as your dad about coming out? Um, I think she warmed up. I think she was a slow burn. Slow burn. Because I think she was just, it was also hard coming out as queer the word i originally used was bi and i didn't feel like that felt right and queer felt comfortable for me and that that changed so the word bi was what came out at first and i think 
you know, and again, in a very backwards way that my parents maybe took that as like, you're in college and you think you're bi and like, well, like, we'll let me evaluate. Know. Yeah. Which like has happened before, <laughs> but like, obviously for me, I was like, well, I'm serious. So <laughs> this is, this I'll is see real. you in a couple of years with my girlfriend during Christmas. <laughs> like, yeah. so yes. like my mom, I think was kind of like, I'm waiting for you to either be a lesbian or like grow out of this is what I think she originally like took my coming out as. Um, and then, you know, most recently, like my girlfriend came and this is the first girlfriend my mom's ever met, um, came to like stay for a night when we like crossed over in LA once. Um, and so she was only there for a night. So she came over and my mom has never done this before. She slept over the next morning. My mom like brought, a plate of like food. my mom doesn't even cook for me and she like cooked this buffet and brought it to us like in bed so i was just like, like oh uh, good morning to you like yeah, this is like fucking the weird yeah up, like. like and but i was just like what does she have to say like what is urgent that she is knocking on my door at 9 a.m um because she was leaving and even though it felt like so silly and so small it was also so huge to me to be like i know exactly what you're doing with this and thank you for doing this like it's it's small, but it shows that, like, you are justifying well, your relationship like, yeah. and, like, understanding that's a part of me. And um, she, like, recently has been really – she's, like, she's very type A, very opposite of me, like, loves research. Like, is very corporate, like, worked in the same job for, like, 25 years. Like, yeah. this is, like, that kind of stuff. Um, and she, like, went to this – she, like, runs, like, I guess, like, the black, like, uh, black workers – union area whatever the fuck (laughs) at her work and then she like recently was like i'm actually working on something with the lgbtq group on (laughs) and i was like okay bitch yes mom yes Yes. come through (laughs) yeah and like talked to me the other day about what it means to be cis like she's like i think i'm cis and like it's so great to see like she may not have it right now she may not have all the answers but she's like on a learning curve, yeah. which I, I will take, and it, you know. It takes, I've realized with our parents' generation, it really just takes a little bit more time to yeah, rework because, totally. like, to literally throw this shit at them, they're like, there is no man, woman, or <laughs> she, he, and they're like, wait, what? Literally like, everything. Who? How? <laughs> yeah, so beautiful. It, yeah. them, like, they're just really, and I, right. and I had a boss who really struggled. We had someone who, uh, their pronouns were they, mm-hmm. and my boss being older just really could not mm. grasp the concept. Yeah. And so, you know, the patience was there on all of our yeah. behalf. But it was just like, for for us, I think we can just acclimate a little faster because yeah. it's just more prevalent in our yeah, day-to-day. Totally. Well, it's funny is my grandfather, I always forget this, but he follows me on Twitter, which is a choice for him. But he does. He's there. And he called my dad once and was like, you know, Peyton, she's really an ally. And that my dad was like, oh, <laughs> uh, close. Like, a little bit more than that. Yeah. And, like, had to, like, explain to my granddad, like, that these tweets were about me and not, like, a secondhand experience. <laughs> but what was cool about that, and he was just like, oh, oh, okay, uh, cool, okay. Like, same response. But, like, I guess him following me online kind of let him take that in at his own pace and, like, you know maybe not have to have this like serious sit down conversation, but can just like follow along with my life and like keep reminding him like in his newsfeed that like I'm right. queer. Yeah. Like, so that was like, 
Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Meanwhile, so that's your grandfather reading your tweets, and my grandmother's <laughs> reading me love letters from her prison bay, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, so I love her already. <laughs> that is genius. She's yeah. like, I came over to her house like months ago. She like full, unfolds this like handwritten letter, and she's reading, you know, this like love letter from her prison bay, and then her she's like, but I told him if he doesn't get it together when he gets out, you know, if he doesn't have his money together, if he doesn't have this, then like <laughs> we just can't be together because I can't. She's eighty six. She's Go like, off. I I just can't, you know, be with someone who doesn't have their shit together and thinking I'm gonna pay for them. And do, and I was just <laughs> literally sitting there with my mouth literally to the floor just yes. in, and I was like, this <laughs> is where I. Your where grandmother it's all is from. my final form. Like that is where I need to be at eighty six. <laughs> yeah, that is it. Exactly. She's, she's still about her business. She's still she's about like, her business. No, no, you gotta collect the coin. Like, you I gotta can't. get <laughs> Wow. Oh, a queen. A queen, <laughs> truly. Do you think we should answer some questions? <laughs> I would love to answer some questions. Okay, let's uh hear from our first caller. So a question. Topic of discussion lately is drunk sex. Now, the consensus is drunken sex is not consent. But what about drunken sex with your partner? Is that consent? So the question is about drunk sex, and Mm -hmm. if that's consensual between partners, what do you think about that topic? Well, I never really like to differentiate consent with partners, period. Like, that's it never, to me, matters. Like, consent is consent. More of what I was thinking about was just, like, the drunk sex part. Um, not to negate the question. I think you should always get consent from no, yes. no matter who <laughs> yes. you are fucking. Agreed. Long-time lover, old-time friend. Right. Yeah, consent. Because there are times yeah. with, my, with a partner and they want to have sex and you're just like, no, I'm not feeling I'm not into it. And that's t- that's Normal valid. It's not like, oh, because we're partners, you're ob- obligated <laughs> to, to open your legs right me. now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. So I guess that's my answer to that part. But... If, if they're sober and yeah. you're too drunk, I would hope that your partner or would, the person yeah. you're you're having sex with would tap out. It's also a thing that's like, I've had times where like I had drunk sex and I was like, yes, because sometimes when I'm drunk, I'm so, so horny. Yes. I'm such a horny <laughs> drunk person. Like, give me a tequila me shot and like some pussy. Like that is like what happens right after the next. <laughs> but I think everything is situational i don't think there's any one rubric or standard to follow i think every like every sexual experience you have is going to be different even if it's the same partner so i think it's just being as conscious as you can even if you are drunk and that or that person is drunk to know when drunk is too drunk to have sex okay let's uh hear one more question hi uh, i have a question I'm currently dating two people who both know about each other, but we play separately. We're not in a threesome mm-hmm. or anything like that. Do you have any advice on how to explain to friends and family? It kind of tapered out at the end, but they are dating two different people, and they don't play together. They're not in a threesome, et cetera, and both partners know about each other. But how do you explain this situation if you're seriously dating two people to your friends and family? I've never personally been in this scenario. I've never been in a poly relationship. I don't know if you have. I haven't. We just ran something in our latest issue in paper about polyamory, and they all look different in terms of, like, some are all actively engaged with each other. And, right. Or, like, one 
person has a relationship with one partner and then the other, and then they have an understanding, but not like they don't interact. a sexual relationship yes. in that way. So I think there's definitely like a spectrum in how we can identify polyamorous couples. Um, for this, it's also something that I feel like, you know, not to expose this person, but like, I feel like I would have to know like your racial makeup, like who are you and where are you? And like, cause sometimes I feel like your answer would depend on that in terms of like how you explain polyamory to, like we just talked about, yeah. like sometimes you got to be really, really slow with things for, you know, older folks to understand it, especially for us, older black folks to understand it. So without saying too much, I can tell you this is a white gay male. Okay. Um, yeah. I basically told you everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know him. Oh, him? No. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't worry, sir. You are fine. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think what's maybe best to do for this situation is like talk to like a closest friend. Like I would choose like my best friend and like almost have like a trial conversation. Like someone you feel very safe with where like, you know, like the one person's like, I could tell you some shit and you'd yeah. be like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> let's keep pushing. But maybe have like a trial conversation with like that person and see how that goes. See what language that came off your tongue that feels good. Some language that was like, no, that feels like an inaccurate representation of what this is. And kind of like work, navigate it through that experience. Maybe even talk to if you have a friend that is in a poly relationship that looks similar to this like maybe how they came out about their relationship see like what language worked for them what didn't especially if their life is similar to yours I feel like that's usually helpful because it's like the people that you're talking to might be similar in that way and um in understanding your relationship as long as you have a strong understanding of how you define your relationship and it like makes sense to you in your head, you'll be able to slowly but surely help translate that outwardly to other people as well. Yeah. I, I think I personally would maybe start, like you said, with a friend and maybe say like, oh, I want, let's do coffee with, you know, partner A or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week it's like, oh, let's, you know, go see this movie with partner B. And gradually being like, you know, I'm really into both of these people very interested in both they serve different needs and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm receiving different like valuable feelings and information from both people if my senegalese uncle can have like five wives all living <laughs> in one house then <laughs> anything is possible in this world <laughs> love wins <laughs> love, love wins <laughs> exactly well i want to thank you so much peyton dicks for being on this episode of pro ho do you want to let the audience know where they can find more about you follow you on social if you want to drop all of that good stuff oh yes drop all your apps um yes. yeah you can follow me on instagram at photo.slut the dot is just a period not spelled out um and on twitter at dicks peyton and that's where I live. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Feel free to follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Stay tuned for the next episode and we'll catch you later. Bye. <laughs>